Well, good morning, church. It is always good to gather to worship with you. And uh, just to reemphasize one announcement about tonight with Wes. Um, men, you know, sometimes we wait till our kids grow up and like, man, I wish I could have had help with raising my kids. Uh, now's the time. And even if your kids are already out of the house, now's still a good time to, to come be a part of West. Uh, just listen in on some other men they're going to share as well, what it means to be a, a godly father. And uh, trust me, all of us that are going to share tonight, none of us are perfect with this. So we'll share our, maybe our flaws as well. But you, we want to make sure you're there. So if you've not signed up or emailed or texted me, you can let me know. We'd love to have you. As you leave today, make sure you grab the Advent books. That was also announced. And I mention this because I want to tell you what day we're going to get started. We are going to start on this on November 26. When you open up and you see number one, um, November 26. So if you want to grab one per family, one per household. If you've got a couple adults, uh, like you've got some adult children maybe living at your place, if they want to have their own, that's fine. But make sure you grab them. We have enough out there. We can always get more. Uh, but we want to make sure as a church we are reading together throughout the holidays beginning the day after Thanksgiving, November 26th, I believe, is the day we start on here. So make sure you grab that book today and um, look forward to, as a church, moving together through uh, the holidays. Open up your Bibles, if you would, please. Matthew chapter 7. Today, uh, my hopes and my plans are to, to wrap up the Sermon on the Mount. And if you uh, are wondering, because you're sitting there going... Okay, it's taken us months to get through a couple chapters. We just started chapter 7 last week. Are we going to go through the whole chapter today? The answer to that is probably not. I want to focus in on some main scripture verses, uh, 7 through 11, and then the rest, verses 12 to the end. If we have time, I'll try to sum them up. It's probably not going to happen. Maybe I'll put them out in an email to you. Um, but uh, we, we want to move into next week, into Thanksgiving and Advent. And... Um, and I, here's the thing, what, what's in the rest of chapter 7 is actually spread throughout the Gospels, uh, repeated in, in Mark, Luke, and John as well. But we've been listening to Jesus. He's on the mountainside of uh, Galilee. He is talking to his people, kingdom people. People are following him, Jesus Christ. Uh, for those that are sort of maybe leaning in on the outside, they they're not followers, but they wanted to hear what he was saying. You know, they're going to catch some great truth. But church, if you're into this morning and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, these words are for you and I. And so as we're striving to honor God, setting ourselves apart from the world, what we've learned in here is that God is trying to get our attention, talking to us about prayer and giving and fasting and how we treat others and so much more in Scripture as he's going through this. And now we get to verse 7. And it's like, wait a minute, it's about prayer. Didn't we talk about prayer before? Yes, but I think Jesus wanted to come back to this for a certain reason. And uh, hopefully we'll discover that by the time we finish. So read with me starting in verse 7, Matthew chapter 7. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give good gifts to those 
who ask him. Now, again, in chapter 6, Jesus warned those that were listening. He said, hey, when, when you pray, don't be praying to get the attention of other people. Don't be praying for these reasons and that reasons. And instead, we pray because we know it connects us with our Heavenly Father. We know that when we pray, we have that opportunity to commune with the one who uh, governs and rules this world. And now Jesus comes back to prayer. So again, this must be important for some reason. So again... I want to make sure this is clear, who this scripture is for. This scripture is often taken out of context, and I'll mention it a little bit here. But notice that this prayer is for God's people. Sometimes when people um, take certain scriptures, they, they will take a scripture and they'll post it on social media. They'll put it on a placard, put it up in their house. And they'll throw it around, and, and not, not that I think last week I used the word they weaponize it. They'll take it to maybe knock somebody over with. But sometimes we take scripture and it's like, hey, this is, this is a good word right here. And it is a good word. It's God's word. But it's for his people. And if you don't have a relationship with God, that verse isn't for you. So as we start looking into this, first thing I want to say is this is for God's people. So if you're here this morning and, and you have a, a relationship with Jesus Christ, this word's for you. I want to take you to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Um, and then as I look at this, it says this, You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. So what Paul's writing to these people, he says, you know what? You don't have a relationship with the God of the universe. You, you, do not, you are not part of his people. You were excluded. You don't believe these things. The faith in Jesus Christ, you don't, you don't have that. But look what verse 13 says. Um, but now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God. But now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I have no idea why, but during the first service as I'm reading this, the first thing that came to me was Sesame Street. Sesame. You might have, some of you don't even know what Sesame Street is. You might have to Google it. But Grover, I mean, there's, do you remember that when Grover's in, he's like, he's like, near, far. Remember that? He's like, the, 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 remember that guy? And I'm, I'm reading the scriptures like, it's like, but now you've been brought near to him through Jesus Christ, but once you were far. And I was like, and I got done doing that in first service. I said, I'm, I apologize. I just, I have no idea. But when, I'm, when I see that, it helps me envision. That's what it is. Once we were far away from God, right? But now we've been drawn near to him. Look what verse 19 says. Verse 19 says, but now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You're citizens, along with all of God's holy people. You're members of God's family. Once, church, once we were far away from God, we did not know him, right? But then we became near to him through Jesus Christ. This verse, Matthew 7, 7, and the following verses are for those of us that are near him, for those of us that have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He reminds us we once had no, no relationship with him. We were separated from him. We were far away from him. So whatever, you know, some of these, these promises that you read in God's Word, those aren't for you. If you don't have a relationship with God, these promises are not for you. It's like, well, the Bible said, the Bible said, for his people. But now when you've placed your faith 
in him, if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ and the one true living God, you are now his child. You've been adopted into his family. Let me read this, uh, another one to you from Luke chapter 13. You can look in your Bibles if you want on this one. It's not going to be on the screen. Luke chapter 13, verse 22. Jesus is going through these towns and villages, and he's preaching, and he's teaching, and he's got powerful things coming out of Jesus. And someone said, hey, Lord, will only a few be saved? Jesus replied, work hard to enter the narrow door to God's kingdom. For many will try to enter, but will fail. When the master of the house has locked the door, it's too late. You'll be standing outside knocking and pleading, Lord, open the door for us. But he will reply, I don't know you, and I don't know where you came from. Then you'll say, but we ate and we drank with you, and, and we, taught, we saw you teaching our streets. And he'll reply, I tell you, I don't know you, and I don't know where you come from. Get away from me, all you who do evil. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for you'll see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets of the kingdom of God. But you will be thrown out. Jesus is making it really clear, as if there is this, there's, we all stand at a door and we knock. And here's the thing. If you've placed your faith in God through his son, Jesus Christ, if you've confessed with your mouth and you believe in heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that door is opened up. But if you reject Jesus, that door is closed. But if I've placed my faith in him, the door is open and, and he's like, come on in. And he clothes us with the righteousness of Jesus Christ so that we can stand before a holy God. And we now have God's very own spirit living in us. And to me, church, that is incredible. But if you've not placed your faith in Jesus, the door remains closed and hell is the only option. And that is scary. But if you're a child of God, listen carefully. If you're a child of God, you place your faith in him. As a child, we now need to be obedient to his word. It's like, well, I made that decision, right? So I'm good. I don't have to do anything else. It's like, if you made that decision to follow Jesus, that means you want to follow Jesus. It wasn't when I was like, oh, I want to get out of hell cards, right? It's like, oh, I, I made that decision so I don't have to burn. If that's the decision you made, I'm, I'm, I'm questioning your decision to follow Jesus Christ. You follow Jesus Christ because you recognize that what he has done for you, his mercy, his grace that's been given to you. And now it's like, I'm going to respond to that. I want to follow you. You know what the next part of following is? Is being obedient. Following his word. In 1 John 3, John said this, We come to him with bold, God with bold confidence. And we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and we do things that please him. See, there's that obedience. Because when we get to the, well, ask and you'll receive, knock and the door's gonna be open to you. It's like, well, I've asked, I've knocked and he's not opening doors. He's not answering prayers. He's not ending up, you know, he's not playing up to his end of the bargain. It's like, whoa, whoa, what are we supposed to be doing? Are we being obedient to God? Is it, our part of the relationship is this. I'm going to follow him. I need to obey him. And look what scripture says. Because we obey him and do the things that please him, that's when we start obeying. And it, says, it goes on to say this. And this is his command. We must believe in the name of Je the son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's commands remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know that he lives in us because the spirit he gave us, lives in us. 
So as, as God's children, we're striving to be obedient to him. And in our obedience, we begin to pray. And as we pray, we wait for God's answer. We expect God to answer. And our prayers to God include adoration. Just in reverence. Who are you? You're mighty. You're a shield. You're a counselor. You're providing. You know, we, we, we pray these prayers of adoration, but then we also pray for confession. We confess our sins to God. Then we also pray with thanksgiving. God, thank you for this. Thank you for that. But then we also bring our requests to God. God, I need help with this. Or we bring the request of others before God. God, I'm praying for so-and-so, right? And, and we bring these requests to God with expectation that God will answer. Why will God answer? Because we have that relationship with him that I just spent about five, ten minutes talking about, right? But what are we asking for? Jesus says, keep on asking. What are you asking for? We worry about things. We lack peace in our life. Maybe we struggle with anger in our life. So let me ask this. Are we praying, God, fill me with peace. Extinguish my anger. Do we, do we pray for those things? Do we ask him for the things that he has promised? He, he doesn't promise us riches, but he does promise us his presence. God, there, you know, I've, I've prayed these prayers. Maybe you have to. God, I, I feel like I'm alone today. I don't know where you are, but I know your word says you are with me. I'm just not feeling it. God, help me sense your presence today. I know you're here. That's truth. But I'm just not feeling it. So I pray for that. You pray for what you know is the promises that, that God has put in his word. James tells us, any of you lacking wisdom? You know, when we sit there about making these decisions on a daily basis, maybe something big's coming. What does James say? Any of you lack wisdom? Ask God for wisdom. Those of us that maybe are in leadership positions and within the church or, or ministry, you're like, oh, we need more people to serve. We need more, more people to be a part of ministry. What does Jesus say? Ask the Lord of the harvest, to send out workers. Do we pray for that? These are things we've been told. Pray for it. We come to the end of the Sermon on the Mountain. Jesus has challenged us with a lot of stuff in Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 6. Everything from a purity of heart and meekness and integrity and trusting Jesus. And, and so now it's like Jesus saying, so, of all these things that you've been challenged with, ask, pray, bring it to God. What, do you, what are you struggling with? Take it to him. Now, now, parents, I'm sure you've had that moment where maybe your child has become very persistent in wanting something, right? Especially now, we're getting to the holiday season. Hey, uh, I don't know if you saw this. And I was thinking about this. Things have really changed. It used to be we had the J.C. Penny or the Sears catalog. And we'd circle things. Now it's like, hey, check the Amazon uh, cart. I, I dropped some stuff in there, mom. Dad, yeah, it's, things have really changed, right? So we drop hints differently as to how we want things. But then parents, it sort of like goes from the dropping of hints to the, hey, uh, flat out asking, hey, hey, I, I really like this, to the begging. I, I got to have this to the point where as a parent, you're like, okay, okay. Either you give in or you tell them to zip it, right? You're like, nope, not, not happening. So, but we all know what it feels like for the child to persistently ask, Right? And when I look at the scripture, it's like Jesus saying, hey, I want you to be persistent. I know you're my child. I want you to keep on asking. It's like, are you crazy, God? He's like, crazy about you, right? You just keep asking. 
You keep seeking. You keep knocking. When I look at that word, the Greek language has a couple of different meanings. Now listen, I struggle with English. So when I try to learn Greek, it was even a harder struggle, okay? And what I learned is there's different kind of uh, commands. This is a command. And there's like this aorist and present uh, imperative. So aorist imperative, present imperative. And basically here's the difference. If I'm in my vehicle with my son, he's driving. I say, stop at the red light. What I'm asking to do is stop at that moment, that one time at the red light. Now, if I were to say, hey, stop at uh, any lights. Just remember when you're driving to stop at all red lights. Now, I just said the same thing, stop. Okay, but one was in aorist and one was in present imperative. One was saying in the moment and the other one was saying, every time you come to a red light, stop. That was present imperative. Present imperative is what we find the word here. Keep on asking and seeking and knocking. Jesus didn't say, I just want you to ask one time, seek one time, knock once, that's good enough. No, he said, keep on. You just keep on asking, you keep on seeking, you keep on knocking. And I don't know if you noticed that gradual persistence. It wasn't just like, um, hey, can I, can I have your help with something? It, it then came to, now I'm going to seek for it. I'm looking for it. When you think of seek, what do you think? Like hide and seek. You lost something. You're out. Now you're seeking. Then we get to the knocking. Hey, I can't find my keys. Can you guys help me come out and we'll all search for it? So it went from this, I'm just asking around. Now I'm seeking. Now I'm not. I'm, I'm making this a larger increase. And I think Jesus is like, again, coming to us. Hey, when you come and pray, bring it. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. If it is urgent, you bring it. I want to hear it. But here's the thing. This is possibly why some people walk away from church. Why some people have left their faith, so to say. Why people give up on God. Because they were persistent. They were asking. They were seeking and they were knocking and they didn't hear anything from God. God didn't answer my prayer. You know, for, for those of you that, you know, it's like the snow came. So right away, some of you right away went to the, the TV. It's like, oh, i got to watch a Christmas movie, right? And so you turned on whatever it might be that you've already watched a hundred times. And, and I, I have to laugh because a lot of times the, the Christmas ones are, well, I don't believe in Santa anymore because he didn't give me what I wanted. It's like, ah, oh, yeah. We do the same thing with God. Yeah, I don't believe in God anymore because, you know, he didn't answer my prayer. And we look at those movies and we say, oh, silly goose, there's a Santa. You know, and, and, and in real life we say, there's a God. And, and maybe you were persistent in asking and seeking and knocking and you didn't get your answer. Maybe because the answer was no. Or maybe because the answer just hasn't come yet. But he wants you to keep coming to him and asking. I, I remember my brother... Uh, he was 16, and my one set of grandparents at Christmas, uh, they gave us a dollar bill. So uh, from one grandparent, we got a dollar bill. And from my other set of grandparents, as a child, we get a toy. When we turn 16, we get $10, okay? So if you're out there and you're like, my grandparents didn't even give me my iPad. Okay, whatever. So uh, I got 11 bucks. There you go. So anyway, and I'm very well off of it. Thank you. I'm very happy. So anyway, so um, my one grandparents who gave us the, the toy or the $10, uh, my brother turned 16, and so he goes to grandma and he's like, hey, grandma, I want a car for Christmas. I'm like, dude, you're asking grandma for a car? You know, and she's like, okay. I'm like, oh, 
Okay, so at Christmas time comes around, we're, we're all gathered together, all the cousins, you know, and, and, and here comes grandma, you know, the kids, and we get our toys, and then the older kids fixing up, they're getting their, their crisp $10 bills, and then my brother, he's like waiting, and grandma comes out, and she goes, another one comes out, and she brings out a box about this big, and we're like, oh, well, that ain't no car, is it? He opens it up, and it's a plastic toy car. Oh, did we have fun with him. It's like, dude, you're 16 and you got a toy. Children, you know, just making fun. And he was like, he was embarrassed. He was mad. And, um, you know, grandma just had that look on her like, don't mess with grandma. You all know what I'm talking about? And uh, a few minutes passed and everybody's, you know, done with the gifts. And then she walks over and she pulls out a crisp $10 bill and gives it to her. And she just simply reminded him, grandma is the gift giver. And I know what's best for you. And even though he wanted something extravagant, Grandma's like, here's what you're going to get. It just reminded me that's the way God is. God is the ultimate gift giver. And he knows what we need and what we want. And he can determine by looking at us saying, I know that's what you want. But here's what you're going to get. And, and, I, and I just often think, you know, does that mean God is stingy or greedy or harsh? No, he is loving. He is gracious. He is full of mercy. He's ready to give good gifts to his children. It's just sometimes we just don't know how to ask. The image of knocking, by the way, just reminds me um, that there's a door to be opened, that he does want to reveal something to us. What that is, I, I'm not sure, but I do know this. I have to have an expectation. I'm not knocking on a wall that will never be able to open. I'm knocking on a door that has the ability to be opened. And I know that God does want to give, but my question is, what are my expectations? Sometimes, um, you know, going back to the days of maybe selling um, fundraiser, going door to door, selling stuff, I didn't like that. You know, I don't like going door to door. So when I go to door, I might be like, just barely knock on the door. Like, oh, no, nobody's there, so I can just go on. Like, dude, you didn't knock on the door. You got to go up and go, hello, anybody in there? It's like, but I don't, that's not me. I, and sometimes that's how we pray. We're like, um, God, um, I just need a little help with something, but yeah, don't worry about it. Some of us pray that way. Like, we don't have much expectation. Why is it? Because maybe we don't be let down. See, the reason I don't want to knock on that door is because the person that comes to the door, I might ask them something and they might reject me. I don't like rejection. So sometimes when I pray, it's like, well, I want to pray for this, but I really don't want to be rejected by God, so why should I pray about it? But yet, Jesus says, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Expect God to answer. Again, it may not be the answer you want, but he will give you an answer. It, in Bible, Acts chapter 12, great story. Let me give you the background on this. Um, King Herod Agrippa's in charge. He was persecuting Christians. He arrested James, the brother of John, one of the disciples, took him and killed him with a sword. Everybody got all fired up. He's like, whoa, everybody seemed to like me killing a Christian. So he goes to Peter. He arrests Peter, puts him in prison, and he's like, eh, we'll deal with you tomorrow. He's getting all fired up because he's like, I'm making people happy killing Christians. So what does the church do? Acts chapter 12, verse 5 says, But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The church started like getting on their hands and knees, like, let's pray for Peter. 
free Peter, free Peter. God, just free him from the prisons, right? So we read on. It says, the night before Peter was placed on trial, he was asleep. He was fastened to two chains between two soldiers. Others stood at the, in guard at the prison gate. Suddenly, a bright light in his cell, and the angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel, angel struck him on the side to wake him up, said, get up. The chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel said, get dressed, put on your sandals. Now put on your coat and follow me as the angel ordered. So he's, he gets woken up by an angel. The chains fall off, right? That's, that's called answered prayer right there. Peter leaves the cell, follows the angel, but he thought he was having this vision like it wasn't actually happening. They passed the first and second guard post, came to the iron gate leading to the city, and it opened all by itself. They passed through the gate, and then all of a sudden the angel disappeared. Peter's like, this is for real. He does answer prayer. He, he's freed me, right? So he goes to the house where the church is meeting. They're having this big prayer meeting. And they're all excited. They're, they're praying. Heavenly Father, we ask that you just free Peter from prison. Remove those chains. Just unbind him. Let him be free. You know, they're, they're praying, they're praying, they're praying. And so Peter shows up at the house. He's like knocking, right? And Rhoda, the servant girl, comes up and she answers the door. And it says here, uh, he knocked at the door. A servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside to tell everybody. So he's like, hey, it's Peter. Peter, yeah. Hello? Oh, where'd she go? She went back in to tell everybody's in there praying. And, and Heavenly Father, Peter's free, Peter's free. Shh. We're praying to God that he will free Peter. He's free. Lord, you're being really disrespectful to our prayers right now. Hear our prayers, O oh Lord. He heard your prayers. Rhoda, zip it. And, then, and here's the church. They are praying for God to answer. He already did answer prayer standing outside the door. But they wouldn't open the door. They finally went back after insulting Rhoda, calling her insane, saying she's out of her mind, saying it must be an angel. Meanwhile, says, Peter, continue knocking on the door. They were praying for this. God answered. Why didn't they expect it? Because I think sometimes we're afraid to have expectations with God because we don't want to be let down. I really want to pray for this, but what if God doesn't answer? If God doesn't answer, that's his prerogative. That's his, his understanding. His ways are so way beyond our understanding and our ways, his purpose, his plans. That is just so incredibly big, right? It's like, but I think we need to have a little bit higher expectation. When we go to pray, who are we praying to? We're praying to the God of this universe. He is a good God. He wants to answer our prayers. And I think the prayers that we pray when we are as his children and are acting in obedience, we'll probably line up a little bit more with his will than we understand. And if he said no, he'll tell us no. If it's a yes, you will see it. He gives us this illustration, verse 9. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people who know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus made it very clear that God doesn't have to be persuaded or appeased in prayer. He wants to give you more. And there are times when we pray things that as 
as children of God, we go to him and we ask, and God's like, That's a, that was a good prayer. But no, no. Like when my son, if my sons were to come to me when they were little and said, hey, Dad, can we have a 64-ounce slushie and a couple of dozen donuts and a big chocolate cookie for breakfast before we go to school? You know what the answer is going to be? No, absolutely not. No way. Oh, you're mean, Dad. The other kids at school, they get to. You're my child. And this dad says no. And I believe that's what God does with us sometimes. We bring these, these requests to God and sometimes God says, mm, no, that's not good for you. Scripture here, it would be a, a, a stone or a snake. Sometimes when God says, I'm not going to, you're asking for, for bread and, and you're asking for fish. But really what you're asking for is a stone and a serpent. And I'm not giving that to you. I want to give you something better. So I'm saying no to that. Again, we may not fully understand but God does. Did you catch the last part of that scripture? So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? How much more? You know what I love about this? Jesus doesn't say what the much more is. How much more God wants to bless you with? How much more God wants to give you? Think about this. What's one of the best gifts you've ever received? Just picture it right now. What is that... that greatest gift you ever see. Somebody's like, oh, well, let's see, it was Christmas, it was my birthday. Um, for some of you, you'd be like, man, when my first, when my child was born, man, that was an incredible gift. And I was, I was like, I was try, trying to think all these. And then, you know what, you know what, it, it finally hit me. You know what the best gift I've ever received? Salvation. I deserve hell. And there's a God above who says, how much more I want to give you New life in Christ. I just blew away all my answers. I had written down thinking of all these great gifts. But that's God. He's like, I know you want this, but I've got so much more. It's like watching the prices right. You know, they got the showcase out there, and you're like, oh, look what they look. And then they're like, oh, we're over here. And they reveal this. Like, Whoa, that's so much better than what was over there. And it's like, that's God. God's like, I know you're asking for this, but I've got this. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Some of us, we just, I don't know whether we just want to give up on God. I don't know what our prayer life is like. But Jesus says, keep praying. Keep talking with me. I want to talk to you. I want you to talk to me. I want you to bring your request. Some of them I'm going to say yes to. But I've got much more. So I might have to say no to that because I've got something better for you. Just trust me. Do you trust me? Worship team, would you come forward, please? As you go through the, the rest of, of chapter 7, here's what I'll say. All the things you're going to see in chapter 7 from the rest of it, you will find in Mark, Luke, and John. You'll find a lot of these same things. Do unto others as you want others to do unto you. Choose the narrow path, not the wide path, which leads to destruction. Jesus goes through basically telling us there's a lot of choices you can make in life. Oh, but beware of the false prophets. There's a lot of people out there. They are not preaching God's word. They're preaching for themselves. Maybe they're preaching about other different things. Beware. Those people are going to take you down that wide path. Be aware of that. And if they're not bearing fruit, you probably shouldn't be following them. And he, he sort of gives us these warnings and, and he speaks often of those throughout the next few gospel books. 
But when he got done, he said this. When Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. For he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of the religious law. I wish I could teach like Jesus. I can't. You know why? Because I'm not the real authority. He is. He's the real authority. He taught with authority. My word to you, my encouragement to you is open up God's word on a daily basis. Let God speak to you on a daily basis. Today, his word is keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Keep your prayer life going. Do not give up on God just because you didn't see a certain prayer answered. He's got so much more for you. Would you stand, please? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an amazing God you are. I thank you, Lord, for this this moment we've had to worship you this morning and and to look into your word and to find truth. And, And God, I know there's times when we approach you in prayer, we have these maybe these low expectations. We don't want to get hurt. Or maybe we're just unsure of how you're going to answer that prayer. Or maybe we just, we're just guilty of just not asking because we don't think it's right for us to do that. But this morning you remind us, you are such a good father. And you, as being part of the family, as, as your child, you tell us, go ahead, keep on asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. I've got so much more I want to give you. And God, we know that these, these things that you want to bless us with, these things you want to give us, it's not so much the material blessing that maybe we're thinking. It's something beyond that. You do want to answer our prayers. And even if it's a big no, it's for our own good. Help us understand that. Thank you, Lord, that you answer prayer. Thank you that we can worship you and song and even as we sing this next song, God, continue to speak into our hearts what we need to hear. And God, if there's somebody here this morning who's never never made that decision to follow you, to, to place their faith in your son, Jesus Christ, I pray that right now, right where they're standing, they'll make that decision to simply confess their sins to you, a holy God, to ask for you to to come into their life, to be the Lord of their life. Lord, help those that are in here this morning that maybe they just struggle with their prayer life and they're not sure where to start back up. Lord, make it clear to them right now how to start back up. God, I know this isn't a sermon on steps and processes. It's just simply trusting you and praying to you. Help us to do that, God. In thy name we pray, amen.